Hello, hello, hello. This is episode, I think, what, 35? Yeah, 35 of the Mental Threads podcast. I'm here with my guest, Jasiri. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Just speak it. Uh, my name is Jasiri Mtambala. Mtambala, that's my last name. Yeah, Mtambala. I said it right? Yeah, that's perfect. All right, cool, great. Because <laughs> I know even as African kids, when they be pronouncing our names and everything, it always be like, sometimes they just, it just, it be a stressful headache, man, I swear. I think in high school, they used to call me like Souffle, like it's tea Safili, not, not tea Souffle and everything. They would just mess with my head mm-hmm. and stuff of that nature. I understand you are a business student, correct? Yeah, I'm actually a business administration major and minor in political science. Okay, cool, wonderful, wonderful. And uh, in terms of like your background and influences, uh, your what country are you originally from? Uh, actually, originally from East Africa, Tanzania. Mm, t- uh, Tanzania. Yeah, Tanzania. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's wonderful, Tanzania. And what? And if you had to like describe the differences from Tanzania to like the states over here, like uh, how would you describe it? Oh uh, man, it depends though, because you might meet some East Africans like from my background. I was like I came from a family, a low income family, mm. like really low. So I was like in a different village right there. But you might have some Africans like maybe he's here just for school, a son of a minister, or maybe his father or half as a running a business. So if I will have to have a chance to describe my my situation, like where I lived and here where I am today. Like my my life is improving so much because like I've come so far, man. Like I remember there was days that when you have one meal per day mm. and then some days might go without having anything. So like that itself usually remind me where I am mm. and then where I am supposed to go. Mm. So that itself I would say, yeah, I keep learning and growing every single day. So I'm proud of that. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I know, like, it could be, like, a huge change and everything. I know my folks had to leave Liberia. We're in the midst of, like, civil war and everything like that. You know, it's it's a very sad situation when your own people come to a conflict that kind of ruins it for everybody else. And I feel like a lot of us are kind of brought here to kind of build ourselves up to really, like, help rebuild our back home. And, you know, a lot of my dreams kind of align with, you know, uh, if I could just be uh, a successful businessman to the point where I can start several businesses, where it's like, you know, people from back home and everything, they need connections to have a job already set up for them. By the time they get to the States, mm-hmm. it's already there for them. Then they can start a life here. Their family can go to school. Their kids can go to school and uh, pretty much just um, get the education that they need to build, like, the wealth that we need in our community. You know, I just feel like that's, like, the first steps really getting things back into order is really just have, like, our set mind, a goal, set mindset on really just taking the American dream as it is instead of just holding each other back so it's just like you know but it's just like that's the vietnamese do it the koreans do it mexican folk do it and everything we can do it too but it's just like at the same time it's a step-by-step process and everything so it's like you know um what is that like a, a bit of a culture shock for you coming into the states you know because like you speak english pretty well and everything was at the first was it just like kind of like a bit of a struggle like people kind of making fun of like how your accent was or anything like just some of that nature you know how it is yeah yeah i know what you're saying but like on my background, I speak Swahili as a first language, mm. so like English is my like my second language. I I learned English when I first got in America, mm. 
So like based on what you were saying, I would like like and like in general, black people, like our struggle is globally. Like if you imagine like most of the African countries and then when you study history, it's all attached on the African continent. Because like, when you first like you get in those lessons how our ancestors got you in America. Like it's not really different because we have kids here in America, and that we like that we keep like that we keep having that legacy right there. And also, in, like in, let's say in fifty years, they won't even know Swahili, mm-hmm. and our language is lost already. Awesome. So that's how like. So you feel like over the years, like maybe the whole Swahili and Swahili is like an original African language, or was it like? A- yeah, it's uh, like based on the background of the language. It's a mixture of African language when you see, like, if you study that history, because Africans, we really never had a language that unified all the Africans. Yeah, we all had something else. We all had different dialects and everything, right? Yeah, for sure. And also, like, when you, like, if you you see the global, right? Mm -hmm. So here's how I'm going to put it. Black people in France, they speak Germany, Mm -hmm. and people all up in France speak French, and Germany speak Germany, and black people in, like, in Spain, they speak yeah. Spanish. And it's not like in Africa. It's not in Africa we have like Africanese or something like that. Oh, hold on one second. Hold up. All right, back to it. It was just a little bit of a... But yeah, what would you say, Jasir? You are talking about like how like basically other countries, basically like Germany got German and like uh, France got uh, French. And uh, yeah, English got England got English, although it's kind of spread all over the place. But yeah, I, I understand what you mean. I mean, we don't really have a singular language that pretty much unites us all as a people. For sure. So that's the point I was trying to make. Because if you even like, don't be fooled, like you see Germany in German, but you have some, back in the days, Germany had a colony and then they had uh, a German influence in that. And then you have some African countries speaking English because they were colonized by the British. And you have French, like in, like, in particular African countries, like, and that's how when you study the history of Swahili, because you ask like what language you speak, and then if you study the history of Swahili, like Africa have like thousands of languages. Yeah, trust so, me, I know. So like, so they had to sit together, bring different pieces. Let's say, for example, you from Liberia. What's the most popular native language in Liberia? Well, because it's like well, because since it is Liberia, um, our our universal language is English because you know it was colonized basically or founded by U.S. slaves. So it's like you know English is our main language and everything. But at the same token, we all got our own language for each tribe basically, like Mano and Gio, like that. We're we're, we're sister tribes. You know, I, I I just had like one of my friends. He's Liberian too. Is like his families of the Gio tribe and everything mm-hmm. and uh you know it's just like the mono and Gio like language is kind of close it's like branched from the ma language right. you know like there's different branches to languages you know it's just like the further the 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 um tribe separates from each other the more that the language kind of switches up I, that's just human that's just how humans kind of do things in a sense because like for instance like um even in america you have certain like slang words that would go up on one side of america but wouldn't channel on the other side like in north carolina people say things like oh you shell which means like oh yeah you're just you're you're like you're like you're high or you just you just you're slow or something like that but it's like if you say something like that in like new york or somewhere like that it's just like uh 
they'll be like, oh, like what, what would that mean? Like, what, what does that mean? Like, if somebody else never heard of that song, you know what I'm saying? It's just like same thing with Africa, but it's just like the difference is it's just like you know, it's just it just kind of connects with the family and like the tribe. It's just they just find different words to describe different things, and it's just like you know, you know how Africans are. Like we always find new ideas how to express ourselves and everything all the time. So it's just like you know, it's, it wouldn't be crazy for like each tribe to just have different languages. Like I'm from like my my, my folk family's from like Liberia, so that's sixteen tribes as it is, plus like the American slaves. So it's nothing but all sorts of languages. You know what I'm saying? Just in one country as it is. So it's like I could feel that, and that's just one country. If it was just one country, like each got their own language, then it'd be a little bit easier in Africa. But it's not so much. So it's like you know, I feel like that's one of the bases for why we have so many different civil wars and stuff because it's just like you know, it's just like the basis of communication is always kind of broken to an extent. So yeah. Yeah, and that's the point I was trying to make because the language is the foundation. Mm. When you see like black people in America, just the history itself, how people got here, like from different empires in Africa. Mm. Like let's say if they, they took slaves from like Nigeria and then they took some from Liberia and then they brought them in America. They won't have something that unite them together because they don't have that common language. But since they had a common colonizer mm-hmm. who speaks who spoke English, mm-hmm. so black people in America now we like we have that common language. Yeah, of English. We, we never think about how can all black people have like a common language. So that's the background of Swahili. So they had to sit down. Mm. You say in Liberia they speak Mano and Griot, uh, so they had to like take those native language, right? And then you go to Nigeria, you take like Kampawoji, Yoruba. And then you go to like, let's say Gambia, mm-hmm. West Africa. Then we take like Mandinga. Mm-hmm. And then, then we put it together. And then you go to South Africa, then we take, let's say Zulu. Mm-hmm. Then we put pieces. So they China, if you speak Griot or Mano, and then you start learning Swahili, mm-hmm. you find some similar words in Swahili. Oh, okay. Because that's the purpose, like it's the purpose. They're just taking all like the different words from different cultures and just kind of like sewing them all together, like one quilt of like language, like a Franklin, Frankenstein kind of language. Like it's just it's all put together to unify like people of African descent and uh, like Africa as a whole. That's the same with English. Mm-hmm. English, like it's the same. Like there wasn't a language that was English. They had to pull like the pieces. Yeah, it's from, like a mixture like, of like French and German, I think, something like that. Because a lot of like the dialects from English, because it's all romantic and language. It comes from Latin, basically, but mm-hmm. most of its influences from France, French, and just a little bit of German, and that's what basically English is. Which is weird that we even like speak it. Like it's just it's weird because it's not our original language. Like I wish my family would have taught me my language and everything, but they're they're too busy talking shit. So it's just like you know, you know, I don't I don't know if you know because you actually know the language and everything, but it's like sometimes they would just say some snappy things mm-hmm. and the language. Like I just wish they would have taught us and everything, um, but you know. That's just not how things went. Um, and it's just like, you know, I know we've spoken more about how our cultures are and everything like that. Um, when it comes to, like, you know, religion and everything, you're pretty much Muslim, correct? Actually, I would say I'm by religion because my mother, she's a Christian, mm. and my father is Muslim. So basically, I'm not a religious guy because yep. I know oh. we just hold one religion doesn't really matter. Oh, so you wouldn't say you're religious, but you are spiritual and everything. 
or would you like just like you're just pretty much just traditional with it like you know whatever the traditions is that's what you follow with it's not more about religion it's just about the tradition it's not about religion or it's not about tradition it's all about unity bro that's all i believe in oh you just believe in unity unity of all okay well that's a good way to look at it. i know a lot of people uh african like folk be having like you know that kind of same situation where like one parent would be a muslim or one parent would be christian and everything and so on did any of that ever like come into conflict with you like growing up and whatnot oh uh, actually my my father died when i was eight so mm. i grew up with my mother most of my like most of my years growing up mm. so i never had that background where we have those situations we have people coming hating on you because of your religion so i never had those, those experiences so yeah. okay well that's sad about your father i'm sorry i had to go through that and everything like my father's atheist and everything it's just mm -hmm. like for some reason he just doesn't believe in any of that stuff he's more heavy with the science aspect of things i mean i don't think he i don't know it's like he's kind of weird like that because like one, well, he, he's kind of atheist but he doesn't like believe like in, in evolution or something like that so i don't know what you believe in man but it, i mean it is what it is man um so it's like when getting along with, with like the social like uh circles that come within america and everything did you ever find it hard because like you're like an immigrant like straight out Oh, that's a really good question, because you know, in our American society, you coming in, learning like learning the, the language, you have to adapt the culture, all that kind of stuff. You might try to fit in, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, I will be like who I am as always. Mm -hmm. So, basically, I will say. It's just a matter of, like, knowing who you are. Mm. And, yeah, that's all. Just knowing how you are, who you are and just carrying yourself regardless. I know, like, my mom's had a hard time, especially when she was working at Burger King, so it's, like, her language. She, she, she spoke English, you know. Like, you speak good English, but at the same time, you spoke it with an accent. So sometimes people kind of tease her, uh, you know, in regards to that, you know. It's like, yeah, relatives are coming to the States, and they get teased, and you know, we call African booty scratcher and everything of that nature and stuff. Even me, like, I've had, like, my time, my points where, like, people just, like, try to rip on me because I was African, which is, like, weird or everything. Or they'll, they'll start like singing like the whole Lion King song, it's on your Benya, and it's like, you know, he just shit is, it's not even funny because that dude I actually took it from some other African kid, <laughs> which is dumb. But it's just like, uh, yeah, the, I'd be like, sometimes there's a sense of like everybody looking at Africa and like they think it's just a big poverty impoverished like nation and it's like but they really skip out on the other parts too like there's some be there could be like some wonderful buildings built in like parts of africa like great hotels and stuff like that like stretch from south africa to throughout but they never really show the more like you know the progressive side of africa and i've always wondered why they didn't do that and everything you know it's just like it's, like, it's always like okay a dollar a day or feed this person or they're poor like there's poor people all over the world there's poor people in Los Angeles. You see homeless. They're known for having homeless people. In there. And that's never the first thing shown to Africa or all around and everything. So it's like you wonder, it's just like, why do you think like it's like that? Like the media always tries to portray like Africa as being just poor and stuff of that nature. When we really have all these resources. Uh, that's a really good question. Like it all goes on that background, like being oppressed and your education system being controlled. And then they program you on the TVs, so that's what you be seeing since like you were like five, 
And then if you be programmed like that since you were five, you were growing up believing it. So black people, wherever you are, geographically, whether you are in Africa, or you are in Europe, or Australia, or in Caribbean, South America, or Canada, or in America, it's so controlled by white people, bro. So they have control over us. So like we really can't do anything because it's just media, but it's at the same time it doesn't really define you, basically. It doesn't really define you. It's just but a part of the truth. It's not really everything. Yes, but if we trying to get out of it, yeah, we we will start to go economically first because that's where they got us. For sure, for sure, for sure, most definitely. Um, I understand that you pretty much got this whole uh, thing with a uh, entrepreneurship club. I always wonder why did you choose to go mostly into business? I know like most African families would prefer uh, their offspring to go into like the medical field or in just places where they know that uh, a job is always guaranteed. Um, yeah, why'd you choose business, man? Oh, uh, that's my passion, and then I always say that was. It went like it goes back when since I was little, mm-hmm. since I was younger, I was that kind of kid who would be passionate in business, trying to like own his own stuff or trying to figure out things out. Because as I grew up with our father, that itself gave me motivation. But because I remember there was days where I would ask something or maybe I need my mother to buy me something, but she won't be able to afford it. So that's, that itself gave me a motivation, like, why can't I just figure it out on my own? And then I would ask her, like, maybe $5. And then you ask me, like, three weeks later, I will have a $50 already. Mm-hmm. That $5 reproduced to 50 So that itself, and that's why even when I got in America, I was like, yeah, I should be focusing more on business because that's one of, like, yeah, one day I just want to be a business owner want to run my own business and you want to take your business international or you just want to stay local in the states basically oh uh, currently after i graduate i want to start my own business and also be working a co- like in a corporation but if i was if that business and everything is settled yeah we'd be internationally probably in in a state and particular couple african countries Oh, okay, that's cool. That's wonderful. And what ideas do you have for business in particular? Do you, are you just focused on clothing, textile? Are you focused on like food or produce or anything? Or is it just like marketing? Or maybe you want to just be like the one that just want to market like sporting events and stuff of that nature? Like, what's your main focus when it comes to like, you know, business and stuff? Oh, currently I do drop shipping. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. Like, doesn't matter what kind of product you're looking for, you can just go to my website and do it but right now we're still working on our website this thing that system we'll be launching next next wednesday so like just be ready for it and uh just take it from there pretty much you already got your llc and everything i know like i've spoken i've heard a whole lot about llc and stuff of that nature what is it it's pretty much just trying to get your taxes off or whatever yeah it's like space like you can't just start their business without the government knowing who you are and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, pretty much. That's you just have to register. And then I don't know much about it because I had a consultant do it for me. I had to pay for that. But yeah, you just have to register by government. Like you have to do something to do with taxes and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Okay, that's wonderful. That is wonderful for sure. And do you have like a whole lot of people you're starting the business with or you're just starting a business all by yourself? Mm, what do you mean by that way? Do you have like a group of people to start this business, like an organization, or are you just doing it all just by yourself? Like it's just all Actually, it's like I'm running everything on my own. But there would be days where we have a group, or we have a big organization, but it's just a, it's just the beginning. Okay, that's just the beginning. I understand you're a part of Entrepreneurship Club. Did you found this club, or do you just you're just pretty much just a part of it, basically? That's interesting because, like NCCU's Entrepreneurship Club, he only started this year in mm-hmm. August. And I just, I just don't know how to say, it, but it seems like to be my fate because it's a like a long story, but. Well, it's okay. It yeah. took out like 40 minutes. So it's like, just keep going. <laughs> we got a long story for here for all the stories this year. Okay. So, like, Entrepreneurship Club, it was there already because there was a founder of it. And then the director of Think Garden, if you know Miss Farrington, Tamet, Miss Tamet, she's the, she was the one because I knew her since last year. And then she had to reach out to me because she knew about my passion and all that kind of stuff. She was like, I want you to be my vice president for entrepreneurship club and i was like why not yeah sure and i thank you for inviting me to come to that one meeting i was like not in the mood to do anything that day but so you say hey man you got to get up and just come to this meeting i'm gonna see like, y'all having a meeting tomorrow correct tomorrow saturday yeah, yeah we'll be having a meeting at five uh what would it be at again because i want to really show up for sure be through zoom It'll be through Zoom? Yep. All right, cool. Just send me the link this time. Yeah, Keep sending it. me the link. Seriously, I'm, I'm really trying to be consistent as I can with it and try to network as much. Um, all the same people from the first, from the meeting I was at, still there pretty much? Yep, for sure. There would be a lot of people up there. Mm-hmm. And then the main reason, uh, yeah, there would be a lot of people there. For sure. Okay, that's wonderful. That's all pretty good stuff, man. Like, uh, so that's great that you're using your time wisely here, especially as a sophomore to be a part of an entrepreneurship club. That's really gonna look good on your resume and everything when you want to like go and like probably. I don't know if you want to work for anybody, but it's always good to have like a nice club on your resume and everything. Like you know, like I, I wasn't really a part of too many clubs and everything. I became it was kind of mostly a recluse on campus and everything, but. You know, it's just like it's really good to use your time wisely while you're here, and so on of that nature. Um, so, like, what other business plans do you have in the future? Like, five years, you know, three, three years, five years, maybe seven, ten years and down the line. Like, what's your plans? Oh, uh, that's a really good question, and I'm glad you asked that because after I graduate, as I told you, I do drop shipping. But one of my vision, I want to have my own retail store. Mm. It be called Akili. You gonna call it Akili? Yeah, Akili. It's a Swahili word. It means like intelligent, oh. like intelligence or genius, something like that. So like it would be Akili. And it'd be a retail store. Retail store. Oh, and then yeah. I'd be doing like online drop shipping as well. That's sure. pretty cool, man. I was thinking Akili. I thought it was like an African version of IKEA or something like that. No, it's Akili, like A K I L A or A K I L I. Akili. That's amazing, man. That's that's really, really cool for sure. And you're already introducing like African words in it. So the cool thing about it is like when you want to trademark on it, no one came up with it. So it's just that's the great thing about using African words for your business because ain't nobody else came up with it. So they can't take your business and trademark it. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, why not? Well, that's trying to take the language out there, trying to promote it pretty much. 
Oh, no, surely, surely. No, that's a really good, good idea for sure, man. Um, like, you know, I, my business plans are more just, like, local stuff and everything. I think, like, maybe, like, owning, like, a Lantramar, like, maybe owning, like, um, some party buses and stuff of that nature. Um, maybe somewhere down the line. Uh, I don't know. I think I might be doing a strip club, too, but that's just, that's just for other things. I know you probably <laughs> say, what strip club? But it's like, uh, no, but, like, also I like to do, like, maybe a grocery store sometimes. There ain't a whole lot of a black-owned grocery store mm -hmm. and everything. And I know, like, I walked into this one grocery store and everything, and it was just, like, it was, like, owned by a Nigerian person. And it was, like, they had, like, like you know, like the the little scanning things, like you know, that regular grocery stores would be scanning, and I'm like, wow, they really did all this stuff, and it really looks like a regular grocery store, and I'm just like, wow, I feel like that's really cool about Nigerians. They really have their stuff together. Where it's just like now, it's like professional. I like to see where they are at like ten, twenty years from now. They really might have things like really together for sure, and that's like that's some really good stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. Like it's just it's just matter of time, like because you know, you know, like we all. I hate to say this, but America is based on Europe culture. Mm. So don't be fooled. Like now we see America is Americanized, mm. but it's all based on our legacy of mm. Europeans colonizing. Everybody and knows that. influence that. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to be fooled. Even an African culture, mm -hmm. you can normalize that. You can. And, and be seem like it's an American thing. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah, no, for real. Like, for instance, I, I would even consider, like, investing into, like, a restaurant, maybe, like, a fast food restaurant type base where it's just, like, you know, maybe instead of just doing, like, regular burger, we'd probably do turkey burgers with, like, maybe African spices in the in the turkey burger meat or something like that. And just, like, you know, just some African food and everything, like, jello, like, uh, jello rice and freaking, um like collard greens and the and the rice so you know like just little itty bitty stuff like that like maybe introduce it more to american culture to where it can be like westernized not like taco bell in a sense but like maybe like an african like you know fast food joint so it's just like i was thinking maybe something like that i'd like to definitely invest in some stuff like that in the future that'd be really really cool and everything because it's just like you know it's just i would like to people since fast food is like i don't want to say it's like the top bill of like everything in regards to american culture when it comes to like making money but since it's so prevalent there's always something down the corner it's always good to have like some kind of restaurant or some kind of fast food chain where it's just like you know you just put that there and it's probably locally and then maybe people want to come out of town or out of state to probably you know try your food and everything like that like white castle you know it's like stuff like that so i always wanted to keep it exclusive to like north carolina maybe virginia georgia area something like that um yeah i think that'd be pretty cool for certain and stuff of that nature so like yeah um so it's like uh, I understand you have like a bit of a minor in regards to like a political science, correct? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Man I'm minoring like political science for mm -hmm. sure. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, what do you plan to like really? How do you feel like that would aid you in regards to everything, or do you just want to have like some kind of like political uh, office uh, and stuff like that? Actually, I'm not like, I'm not minoring like in political science because I want to focus on politics or anything like that. But you're back on the same background. Like, you can't have, like, a political say without economic power. Mm -hmm. So, like, you might be talking, you can't make or pitch, like, speeches you want. You can't pitch to anyone, whatever you want to say. But if you don't have that, it'll come with money, bro. Mm -hmm. You have to have that strength in economic in order to push your 
economic your political agendas. So that's the main reason I was like, I can't focus on political, but it's kind of intertwined. Like you know, like uh, when it comes to economic and it's just political. It's, even in America, for instance, like, there's so many companies being like, like what's that term? I don't want to say laundered, but it's like it's just it's just so much like influence with uh, money and like billionaires in regards to politics and everything. So it's just like you know, I can understand like why you want to probably check out political sites. To kind of just probably see the patterns and stuff of just what's what's what part of business is being protected and everything. I don't know. Might you be like uh like you're not really too interested in regards to cannabis matters, do you? Cannabis. What what is that? Like uh, I don't want to say like marijuana or weed and everything because it's just like you know, but it's just like you know. See, cannabis is just pretty much comes from that. You see, cannabis is a substance I feel like that could kill so many businesses because like one, it could like really be it could work for like uh, making all types of paper, clothing. It could work for uh, serving as a replacement for gas and fuel. Um, it could serve as just all sorts of things, like even for like you know mental health things of that nature, uh, pains stuff of that nature. It would kill off even like so many different types of businesses which is why it's always like legal i mean illegal in certain areas and everything um wherein it's really like it doesn't even cause any damages stuff of that nature except that maybe the sometimes where it might be lace and we don't even know where i would imagine a world where if they, if everything was regulated more um more professionally um there's possibilities that um yeah that there can be like a um where they could really like serve uh society in a very positive positive light i spoke about this i think on a different episode but it's like uh yeah just stuff of that nature like if i were to invest like my money into like some type of business it would definitely be cannabis business but at the same time i feel like a lot of like billionaires put pay um offices to kind of like keep it illegal and put people in, in incarceration over it when really it could really help everyone and stuff of that nature so like that's why i feel like that it is important to like um uh that you're going into political science uh, what are your thoughts about stuff like that like cannabis and stuff like that? oh i have some friends who does like trying to have those kind of dreams like focusing on uh, like trying to promote it more and make like a lot of money from it but i really don't you don't get know it much about it you don't know much about it mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, that's cool, man. It's just like you're still young, so it gives you more time to learn more about it and everything. But it's like, you know, it's definitely something I feel like that's going to be like something more prevalent in the future mm-hmm. um, and stuff of that nature for, uh, I know, see, like maybe some people might see it as like just a drug, but it's like, you know, the caffeine's a drug, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's not me trying to coerce anybody else and they're doing something they don't want to do, but I just mm-hmm. feel like you should really do your research in regards to some stuff sure. where you say like where it is and what it is, what it isn't and stuff of that nature. So it's just like, you know, just stuff like that. Um, so it's like I understand it's just everybody's experience in college is all different as it is um, when you first came to like NCCU until like now this is your sophomore year and everything how would you describe your um, experience despite you know difficulties like COVID and stuff of that nature oh uh, I would say man like I mean it's been a long journey because when you see that uh, as a first generation student mm-hmm. in college so like in my family Never really had somebody who ever been in college, uh, and like a bilingual, mm-hmm. and like and the lockdown, the coronavirus, all that kind of stuff. It was like challenging, but as HBCU, 
like you you went back to that like you just I don't know how to put it but it's just like it's good so far pretty much pretty good what do you say it's like a big difference from like high school and everything like do you just feel like maybe like the HBCU experience is a little bit more welcoming for you I remember that was days uh, where I was like I just want to go to a different college in Greensboro mm. but my mother was like why don't you go to a HBCU such as NCCU mm -hmm. so I would say like North Carolina Central they had like I had like different university picked me but they chose me but with my mother's influence, that really worked. Yeah, pretty much. So your your interest in HBCUs it came from your mother, for sure. Yo, the crazy thing with my parents, they wanted me to go to Chapel Hill and everything like that. I had the grades for it too, uh, that I had together from community college, but I just said nah, cause I feel like I'd be lost in the sh in the shuffle at a PWI. You know, I feel like they wouldn't care and everything. Worse, like you know. Here at HBCU, I feel like, you know, a lot of my teachers, they kind of feel closer to me, you know, like they feel like they care and everything. Mm -hmm. I have a conversation with them. Like, you know, they see me, you know, and even in the Men's Achievement Center, you're a part of the Men's Achievement Center uh, all the time. We all have a relationship with Dr. Heath and Mrs. Andrews, although he's not going to be with the Men's Achievement Center currently. I'm, I'm trying to see if I can get him on the podcast eventually, hopefully. Um, but it's like, uh, yeah, man, it's just like this, they, this campus right here, NCCU, man, it's really, it's real. I want to say it's like a trip trip or whatever, but it's definitely like worth like being here for sure. And it's just like, you know, I, I just, I wouldn't want to go anywhere else, but stay at HBCU. Like I hope my children go to HBCU and, uh, on and on, but it's just like, yeah, just like that. Yeah, bro. Like it just feels good when you walk around looking at everybody looking, looking like you, mm -hmm. that experience itself like it's powerful more than you ever think like real experience like building relationships like involving more on campus making friends like nothing is more greater than that like it means a lot no seriously for sure man like a lot of y'all for sure like i really i really hope to keep up with y'all see where y'all in life or y'all at in life five to ten years from now and everything like that you know all i do is sweat about the future and everything and you know i feel like you know it's kind of bittersweet because this is my last semester so i will be leaving um i will be hopefully to transfer to a uh, howard university how depending on how things go and everything but it's just like yeah just stuff of that nature man like this school right here, man, uh, couldn't go nowhere else. I don't think I can go anywhere else, but it's just like, you know, sometimes I do wish, like, I would have gotten a little bit more out of HBCU experience. That's why it's good, like, since you're staying in a club, stick with the entrepreneurship club. You know, if you wanted to branch out to do anything else, I like, definitely consider it. Would you consider going into, like, a fraternity, or are you just saying, like, whatever? Are you talking about after graduate? No, 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 because a fraternity, you, you, you can join a fraternity while you're on campus. Like, would you consider, like, joining a fraternity, or just, like, it's a whatever for you? Oh, it's whatever for me. It really don't matter. Really doesn't matter. Yeah, I wish I would have joined a fraternity, but I just couldn't. I just didn't have the time for it, really. Um, but it's just like, yeah, it's just stuff like that, man. Like that's that's really really cool, and everything. So like, when being like a first generation student in college and everything, might you have siblings by any chance? Actually, I'm the second of four, so my mother never really have a daughter. Like we all four boys. Oh, uh, you're the second of four. Yeah. Do you have an older brother that's in college, or you said no? Oh. Uh, it's not it's not in college, so he's just walking pretty okay. much. And then I got my my little my two younger brothers, one is like in eleventh grade and the other one just got in ninth grade. Okay. 
okay. So they're they're not they're on their way to college too. Like, would you recommend them to come to NCCU also? To come meet you here? Or is it just like what? For sure, that's my plan right there because I just want to have my whole family graduate from NCCU. Oh yeah, no, sure. that's good. I wish my brother would have came to NCCU like at the same time with me and everything because it's just I feel like maybe I'd be able to monitor him and see how things go but I don't think they had his program here I'm trying to see if I can take him to Howard University and everything with me um I need to really work hard for sure like I've been slacking for a lot of weeks for sure but it's just like you know it's just stuff like that like if I can really really dead ass like get myself together knock everything out and then just kind of focus on getting myself together um so I could be able to go to the next level with grad school and see where that takes me, then, you know, I'll be well, basically. And it's just like, and it's just, um, you know, when it comes to, like, uh, when it comes to matters of, like, you know, being the first-generation student, do you ever feel like there's a whole lot of pressure on you and, like, setting an example for your siblings and all, like, and everything all together? Uh, That's a really good question because, you know, as a first generation like a first generation student, seeing my mother, like a single mother, like raised by a single mother. That situation itself, like my mother, she worked like a corporate job, like getting paid a minimum wage. And then that itself like it gave me that motivation, like for sure there is pressure. But I don't like to say pressure. Mm-hmm. It's not a pressure, it's a motivation. Okay. Like to just keep moving forward. Just keep believing it. And maybe like through one person in every family I always have that one person who might have who might change the whole situation of family. And then I believe I'm the one. You believe you're the one? Right. That's a good attitude to have, you know. I'd be thinking maybe I'm the one too and everything and I just wanna be uh set myself as best as I can, you know, different ideas. I know like they would have hoped me to be in the medical field. And it's not too late. Maybe I can go into the medical field and probably go to med school or something like that. Maybe 'cause there is like a something about biology and stuff that I seem to have like a certain uh interest in, but it's that it's that chemistry that messes me up, man. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like, you know, I ain't too science scientific with like how I used to be. Um, but it's just like, yeah, just stuff of that nature, um, being in medical school and just stuff like that. Um, <coughs> Lord have mercy. Um, yeah, man, that's, that's, that's really, that's a great outlook to look at it and everything. What do you describe, like, what are your siblings like? What, what are they like and everything? What do you mean by that question? Like, like breaking down like what they're, they're like, like your family, like break down like what, what they like, what's your mom's like, you know, what's your brother's like and everything. Like, you know, yeah, break them down for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to put you on the spot like that, but it's just, just a question, just a curious and everything, you know? Oh, like actually my little brother, mm. like the third one after me is about 16 right now. Mm. And then my younger brother who is ninth grade right now is like, is 13. Like, and this, I was trying to send him out to a private school, but I will try to do that next year, pretty much. Because like, he's actually, he's that, that kind of person, like he usually is like, interested in like, computer science, all kind of stuff. And then probably be majoring like, in graphic design, all that kind of stuff. That's what I've been trying to like, push on him. And I got my other brother behind me who was always interested in, like, he's just spending time. I mean, he got sickle cell. So, oh, like, man. being 
pretty much that sickle cell it have effect negatively affected him psychologically. So he been spending all that much time like playing video games or that kind of stuff. Like he's not that focused in academics mm. compared to his little brother. Like and my mother you say I'm gonna describe my mother. Mm. <laughs> A lovely lady, my oh. queen. Oh, okay, that's wonderful. That's great that you have a good relationship with your mother and everything. I know, like, all I got is, like, I got my brother and my half-sister and everything. She just uh, uh, moved to Savannah, uh, just bought a new home and everything. I know she's been through a whole lot throughout her life, her and her son. She just got married. Um, um, basically, like, uh, just kind of moved out to Savannah, Georgia. Just very hardworking and everything. I feel like I, I look up to my older sister a whole lot because even though she's been through a whole lot, she was still able to get, like, her education and get her degrees mm -hmm. and everything of that nature. Um, my younger brother, he was very athletic in high school. He's still pretty athletic and everything, you know, and he just... He um he really had interest in going into football and everything, you know. So I don't really know what happened. I feel like sometimes, like, I feel like I want to beat myself up. Or like maybe I should have pushed him more to, like, do things for football and everything like that. You know, maybe I was too passive as an older brother. But it's just like, yeah, he's just, he's always been a very positive influence and everything. Um, my influence, I'm, like, an influence him. But he's always been a very good, like, support system to me and everything. I'm always being, trying to be a good support system for him also, you know, just we're each other's support systems you know it's just like you know we, we've been through a lot you know with our families and everything kind of like splitting up and everything it was just it was just a lot of conflict that we had to always deal with and i just feel like you know my brother's like always been consistent with me and i've always appreciated that um about him you know it's just yeah it's just he's a really cool dude and stuff like that you know my mom's is a little bit uh she has her her niches here but i feel like she means well but she just sometimes she just doesn't go about it the right way. You know, everybody's different like that. Same with my father. Like, they got their niches about them. But it's just, like, I always feel like, you know, they're always, like, had their, I always had my best interests and had my back, like, when I needed it, you know. So it's just, like, um, I always try to, like, you know, try to, like, work hard to really, like, ensure that, uh, you know, yeah, you know, all of it's just, I could be able to, like, change things for my family all, all together, basically, you know. And it's just, it's, just, it's going to be a long process, but it's a process nonetheless and everything of that nature. So, like, they're my motivation, too. Um, That's amazing, man. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, but outside of your family, what is your influences? Like, you know, political leaders, you know, famous leaders. Like, what, what pretty much influences you, like, in general? Like, you know. Uh, politically, if you ask me my influence. You don't say Barack Obama. <laughs> I'd say Barack that's, Obama. That's a really good question. I would say, <laughs> I really don't have any influence in political. Mm -hmm. I just, I, gotta I be love political. reading books, uh -huh. but like, I like Marcus Garvey's political. Marcus Garvey? Like, yeah, like political ideologies. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the one right there. And yeah, pretty much. Just Marcus Garvey? I don't have like a, like this generation influencer. I don't focus on that. Some people that look to Dr. Umar Johnson as being like a leader or whatever. <laughs> I think yeah, I like him and I follow him, but 
like it's not my biggest influencer. Oh, okay. Ain't gotta be your biggest influence, but just anything that pretty much just uh, you know just motivates you and everything. Like you know, like in music, I would say like okay, like uh, Tupac, Biggie, and like like um, and other musicians and stuff of that. Like J Cole, Kendrick, and that's what that's what kind of like drives me as a musician, like, along with other people, um, and and other uh, folk that really like influences me. It's just like you know people like. Um, that are very good storytellers and stuff of that nature, like Dave Chappelle, um, Eddie Murphy, you know, like, the, I know they're comedians, but they have a very good way of being outspoken, how they express themselves is very creative, and also Richard Pryor, that I also uh, admire and stuff of that nature. Um, you know, Barack Obama is somebody I, I used to look up to, well, I still look up to him, even though some people say, oh, he didn't do a whole lot for black people and everything. I feel like just how he carried himself as a political figure, being, like, the first black president and everything. Um, and, like, man, we had... The, we're t- we've, we've had two presidents after a black president and everything so far so it's been a brick but I feel like we can definitely elect somebody else in the office soon for sure um, but it's just like I just feel like the way how he carried himself a class and despite so many people that always like you know kind of dragged him and like said whatever they want to say about him I feel like he always handled it very classy and I just I aspire to be something like that you know let me just be able to not be bothered with what other people say you know what I'm saying yeah for sure yeah yeah most definitely for sure um, so it's like, is there anybody else that you know that maybe in your family, maybe that maybe you got an uncle, or whatever, that kind of like, uh, just kind of like uh, inspires you and so on like that? Like just anybody, it doesn't gotta be like your family, but just in general, just what inspires you, like as an individual, like in school and just, just life? I always say my grandfather. Oh, really? Explain. Uh, yeah. My grandfather, like, my grandfather, like, he was the hustler. Even I never seen him, even my mother never seen him. But my grandmother always gave her that he should use that kind of person, like fighting for his family, because he died when my mother was around, like under ten years old, and then even my mother never like, she don't even recognize it, like his father's father's face, like. But based on what my grandmother always tell me, I always say my grandma, my grandfather is, is my biggest influencer because. Like the hustler, the fighter spirit, like that that spirit itself usually just stay in me because I know I, I I know for sure I'm here because of my great great parents. So that genes still in me, and I usually trying to have even if I'm looking down from like don't trying to doubt myself or kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I usually trying to take it back because when you see that history right there like I just don't know how to say it, but I will say my grandfather my my great great grandfather like that's my that's my biggest influencer right there yes yeah, sure. ancestors are lay a very huge groundwork to like who we are today and stuff of that nature like I know like even like from my father's side it's obviously his father and everything although he he was like a known in like Liberia for like being a very uh, efficient hunter and everything like that so it's like you know although he did not know how to read and stuff of that nature I always think of it as being a very um 
I think it's very cathartic. Like, I think it's very wonderful that years later, like, oh, yeah, then he has a grandson like me that's actually going to graduate, like, on an honor roll student out of a HBCU, you know. So it just kind of shows, like, you know, where else can we go two generations, three generations from now and everything. Imagine being a hunter. You can't even read, but you're always, like, a kind soul and everything. Uh, you know, I back in, back home, he was always called, like, the, the good lawyer and everything, not because he was a lawyer, but because he always stuck by other people and everything so it's like i always try to like un- like try to take that apart like in me and everything you know like you know there's also different influences i know uh, my middle name dolake was actually um i was named after my father's favorite uncle you know, he had that a uh, special relationship uh, his name was dolake um he essentially was an architect a very good architect he didn't have to draw the houses he just built them and really? yeah just built them and they just came out of his head he just built them and then they're, they're just done so it's just like you know so like i, I carry uh, on my dad's side like the spirit of the hunter and the spirit of the architect and stuff of that nature i've also had like some relatives that took um political office in liberia too so like there's a sense like the spirit of the politician also that runs through me also um, it's like when I think about that, and that's why I need to get back to really uh, adding on to my family tree as much. Like I just started doing my family tree like earlier this year. I, I just stopped for some reason, but it's like I think about that because you know I have the spirit of the architect, spirit of the hunter, spirit of the politicians, and stuff of that nature, and they all run through me. And it's just like I want that to influence me to actually rebuild as best as I can, um, like uh, with the with the spirit of the architect um to ba- to basically just be a builder don't destroy things just build them on things when things have uh when it's deserted or when there's just it feels like there's nothing that can grow you can always build something upon that you know i have like and it all come connects with adversity and stuff of that nature um to always build yourself up build others up and everything and then thus everything can just build upon itself more positively and stuff of that nature and then the spirit of the hunter which i feel like that runs through me also like anything i seek i will like be able to attain as long as i focus on capturing it you know what i'm saying so like you know it's good to have that connection with like your ancestors and stuff of that nature i always look to like just like one day maybe i could probably set up like an ancestral uh what's the what's that thing a central ancestral I don't want to say ofrenda because that's an that's like a Mexican term, um, a Spanish term, um, a, a, a ancestral altar. Yeah, so it's like maybe I can be able to look over it, um, baby, and possibly like just uh you know connect um the energies, uh, the positive energies from that as best I can. Sure. So it's just stuff of that nature and everything. Is there any other relatives that uh that pretty much influences you personally? Uh, as you told you, I kind of relate to that, like. As I told you, my my grandfather, that's my biggest influencer. Like, he was like, mm, you say, yo, yo, yo. like, my grandmother, my, my grandfather was like a technician, electronics. Mm-hmm. Just imagine, no school, no mm-hmm. education, but you trying to run on yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine how genius was that, like, trying to fix stuff without, it's just a talent. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. and uh, drive like you don't need education but like you just born with it that itself like it says too much for me so i don't have any other influence other than my grandfather for oh. sure 
okay, well, that's, that's wonderful. That's wonderful, too, man. It's just like, you know, I had my grandfather, I think, was like the first person that came into the States out of our family and everything. And so he pretty much started like a taxi business. So I see, kind of seen was like the pioneer in our family to a degree and stuff of that nature. So it's just like, um, that's also an influence to me because it's like, you know, I didn't, I don't even think I would even consider going to business. But it's like, I look, because like when he started the taxi cab business and wanted to make money with it, like with a, a lot of like Liberian folk all together, the thing is they weren't organized. You see what I'm saying? Because they weren't organized, when they had to give out cards and everything to call the business so they can be able to give people rides to the taxi, they're calling, they're giving them their own personal number. So it's like, it'd be kind of messed up. You're in bed and somebody call, hey, can I get a ride? And you're not even in the company. So it's because of that we lost a lot of money out of that. So when I think about that, I think, okay, I'm going to get and learn and get the opportunities I need here and taking whatever I need to learn, what I need to know and stuff of that nature. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to use it to probably help our people as best I can to be more organized with a lot of this stuff, you know? So it's just it's just stuff like that. Um, oh, snap, is that my, it's my glasses that didn't fell on the floor, man? Yeah, man, like that's that's really really crazy. Um, so it's like, um, I know you're part of the Men's Achievement Center too. Like, it's just like, how's your connection with the Men's Achievement Center been helpful for you through your uh, college career so far? Yeah, man, he goes to, <laughs> he goes back to that. Like, you just be around your people. Like, you have that brotherhood where you have people who are just there, like, not to mock you, but to motivate you whenever you like whatever you're going through. Like if you're having any issues, like you got people right there, you can go there and seek help. Like academically, like there is so much support. Like whenever you struggle with a course, you go and you get a tutor to help you on that. And like you get, you need any advice. Like it's it. I love it there. Like it's my home. Oh, yeah, no, seriously, like, the Message Human Center has really given me a place to pretty much socialize and connect with others without having to, like, you know, like, have to feel like I had to be desperate and trying to, like, join a fraternity or, like, a hundred collegiate black men or whatever, you know. It's like, I always felt like it was, like, the more welcoming um, basis of, you know, socialization and stuff of that nature, you know. It's just like, uh, how did you get into the Message Human Center? You just showed up one day or did somebody invite you? Uh, I know I remember back in the days I was walking by. Mm. And then I had to, I, I was trying to visit there a couple of days. And then there was brothers there that was like, wait, won't you join us or something like that? And I was like, trying to see what is it like, trying to, what's going on? And I was like, yeah, I should be here. Like, you just felt it in your gut. I just got to be here yeah, and everything. Sure. Oh, that's cool. What kind of sports are you into? Like, are you into, like, soccer mostly? I don't, I'm not trying to make the assumption that soccer, obviously, African, but just, just saying, like, what sports? I remember when I first got here, I was, like, 15. Mm-hmm. In high school, I played basketball. Mm-hmm. And I was really passionate about it, like, playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And then there was times where I started struggling academically, academically because I was struggling, like, I focus more on basketball more than like my school and what made me to be in school. I was like, nah, I need to stop and start focus on my academics because that was when I was in the 11th grade. And then when I got into my senior year, I was like, nah, this is the this is the year where I just have to improve on my grades and learn from my mistakes and just move forward more with my academics. Yeah, pretty. That's pretty much it. 
okay, that's cool. And like when you're playing basketball and everything, like what's your main influences? Like with basketball, who's your main people that just uh, motivate you with the whole basketball? Who's your favorite like basketball players and stuff like that nature? <laughs> I don't follow basketball that much anymore. Mm. I'm just focused more on my like my business journey. Mm. But I would say LeBron James. That was like one of my biggest influencers back in those days. Yeah, LeBron James. Yeah, LeBron. He's 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 the goat. I know a lot of people sleep on LeBron because they always try to put him next to Jordan. Part of me feels like he's better. I mean, it's not saying like he's better, better like than Michael Jordan. Like personally, because Jordan is always going to be goaded. But it's like it's just like I feel like he had to deal with a whole lot of stuff and for a very longer period. You believe like he's been playing for like I think about eighteen, twenty years now. You know. It's been a while since he's been in the game and everything. I, I hope that he is able to play on the same team with his son like he wanted to. That'd be pretty cool and everything, you know, like for real mm-hmm. and everything. Um, I know it's like with like another African that's just got a championship out the Bucks. It's like uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, you know, I know it's like kind of weird to like, ask, but it's just like, like, how does that make you feel in regards to just like where we can go like as a people, like African people in general? Oh, I don't know. As I told you, I don't pay my attention more in sport anymore. So I would say I got no opinion on that. Okay. Well, a Giannis Atitakumbo is actually a Nigerian, like, uh, player. He actually was born, I know, he was raised in France. I know, I know in Greece. He was raised in Greece, but he's from Nigeria, and now he's playing basketball now, and he just he just won a championship with the Bucks, basically. Really good game. Uh, he beat the Phoenix Suns. Like, it's crazy because we would have thought, like, you know, Chris Paul, was, people thought Chris Paul was going to get that ring. And everything. Um, so, like, when it comes to your culture, I know it's like usually, like, I know I just spoke with Queen Izzy on a different episode asking about her people. She's from the Yoruba mm-hmm. people. I don't know if I'm even pronouncing that shit right. But it's like, uh, what, who's your people exactly? Who's your what's your tribe um, in Tanzania? I don't believe in tribes. You know, I know you don't believe in <laughs> tribes, but I'm just saying it's just like, well, what's your tribe personally? Just just curious. I'm African. You're just African? Yeah, I'm just African. That's, I just, that, that person just not here to promote any tribe. Or oh, trying to say anything, I just—is that just your way of saying you just don't know? <laughs> it's not about knowing where tribe you from, but that's one thing about me. Mm. Just you don't. The know. main reason me felt tribalism oh, is what God I see it today. Oh yeah, no, actually I could I could agree with that to a degree, but it's just like it's sometimes good to like break down the different cultures. You know, I'm mono and everything. I spoke on a different world. There's like a certain we have a very intellectual. Um, profoundness about us as mono people and everything and I was just wondering if you were to like better like you know explain how like you know if you were a part of the tribe it seems like you're not a part of a tribe or it's just like you just you just don't look into it deeply I don't look at it like I don't dig into it that much just Tanzanian just African just African (laughs) sometimes that's the best way to like to put it to be honest you know but at the same token it's just like you know if you want to be able to preserve you know a lot of the cultural aspects you know it's not too bad that I speak about tribalism too although like sometimes we can all be a little bit too competitive against each other you know like you know uh, the Monos and Gios at the Krons in Liberia in which they had issues with and uh, you know the Tootsies in uh, Rwanda with the who 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 it was the Tootsies and whom the Hutu. Uh, yeah, the Tootsies and the Hutu. Oh, I'm glad you know, cause I was just about to Google. <laughs> I almost about to Google it, like, but it's just like, yeah, was it was it the Tootsies that was being genocide in a way? Like they're the ones that are getting killed. The Tootsies or the Hutu? Off together, they just they're just killing each other, man. It's a patriot like that. No, I mean at least they got past it. Now Rwanda is one of the safest places in Africa to go to. Like they're kind of like uh like the Singapore 
of Africa, which is I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's history. Like history is very interesting. The way you see Africa right now, mm-hmm. like in thirty years, you'd be a totally different story. Yeah, but that's also kind of scary too. At the same token, because you know I noticed that the Chinese folk are dropping into Africa and they're doing their thing and everything, and it's kind of scary to a degree because we really don't know what their um, what their uh, what their intentions are long term. Like they, they might be building a whole lot of stuff. They might be helping, or I can't tell like what's ever helping or what's exploitation. And I feel like that's the scariest thing when working with other people in Africa because I feel like we don't have a whole lot of leverage. Sometimes we have hella resources, but we never really like break down our worth and everything. You know what I'm saying? Like where would Firestone be without like all the rubber trees and? in freaking Liberia, you know what I'm saying? All the diamonds all over Africa, all the, so many things that are just taken away for such a, for a really shitty exchange, you know what I'm saying? And I look back at that, like, what can we do to really change that if really, if we were to advance as a people? Do you have any ideas? Or do you just like, whatever? I would say that it's impossible when you think about it, but like, it can be resolved though. Because you know there is nothing new happening in Africa. The same Chinese, like the same way Chinese came, that's the same way white people came. Like in Africa, trying to destroy the land, take over everything. That's the same way they did. So there is nothing. I feel new. like the Chinese people are still a little bit more diplomatic, though. Yeah, that's they trying to come, and then they will tell you we build the these roads, we will build everything for you. But we just have to, the only thing we have to benefit from is just the resources, the minerals, oil, all that kind of stuff. But I would say the only solution, I just, we got puppets all over Africa, 54 countries, yeah, what? 54 puppet leaders, puppet leaders all over the continent. So that's impossible when you think about it. So when you, you be like if you want a solution for Africa, we will have to start with the people, and then when you start with the people, we go to leaders. Mm-hmm. You can't have leaders without the people because leaders are formed in the people. Mm-hmm. So like when you have that influence of like Africa, like like Africa is really weak, like really weak because of those pieces. If you study history, like back in like 1880, mm-hmm. 84, yeah. there wasn't any African country. They had empires. So they had to cut everything. Mm-hmm. But that can be reversed. You think we need to go back to empires now? I'm not talking about empires. I'm talking about unifying the, the continent. Oh, yeah, no, for and that's sure. that's why we keep failing because the political power to push out the colonizers, it goes back or a division among ourselves yeah. which gave the the foreigners to have power oh, over really? Africa. Yeah, no, and even like Gaddafi, Gaddafi like, uh, wanted to actually unify, uh, I don't know if I'm saying that like Gaddafi, but anyway, yeah, Gaddafi was actually had plans to unify Africa through like using the same dollar system and everything and it's like, you know, do you feel like the same dollar system could also be helpful in like unifying 
Africa as a whole, like maybe if we unify with, like the same language, that's the thing that really messes us up. We don't have a singular language to really like connect with each other. Like some countries speak predominantly French, some countries speak like Portuguese and stuff of like that, you know, the unified and even like Liberia they speak English. And I think Ghana speaks mostly English too and stuff of that nature. It's just it's just stuff like that, man. It's just like we can never really find a common ground to really connect on. You know, it's like what can we do to really help with that? Yeah, it always goes back to that. Because as you say, Gaddafi was trying to do that. I have not much to say about that because, you know, like you was trying to like have like a common currency for the whole African economy. But that's what got him killed. So like yeah, this is just sad. Like, yeah, he's just they were trying to make it out like he was some kind of dictator, and he wasn't. He was just trying to, he was just trying to like stick up for Africa as a whole. And everybody was just like, oh no, you gotta kill him. Another Saddam Hussein, <laughs> which really makes you think: who's really the bad guy in regards to a lot of this stuff? You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be like too, too deep political, but it always seems like you know America always has that finger they're pointing, like where they're the ones like, oh, we're the good guys. We're trying to fight for freedom and stuff of that nature. How can you fight for freedom for another people, a person's country? Like, what is it up to you to push the stigma and everything? Um, when it's just like you know, like they couldn't, they didn't, did they ask for it and everything like that? You know what I'm saying? You really gotta check in with these people. So it's just like I can't help but always be skeptical because sometimes I feel like we're the bad guys when it comes to this stuff. Because instead of trying to fight to really try to rebuild a lot of these societies, uh, I mean, we ain't gotta westernize them, but at least trying to uplift them, you know, with technology and stuff of that nature. Which we, I'm pretty sure we have this, like, all the, you know. I'm pretty sure we have all the resources to do so, but we just never do that and everything. So it's just skeptical. But what are your thoughts on stuff like that? Uh, yo, goes back to that. Like, we being oppressed like for too many years, and then they, we know who the enemy is. Mm. But we just, it's just, I don't know. I have no essay on that, but it's just that I have no comments on that. No content, no, no comments in particular. Just like, just something like, damn, it really is kind of be like that. Uh, yeah, man, I feel you. I, I feel like we've spoken on a whole lot of topics and everything, you know. I feel like we pass a hour mark and stuff of that nature, you know. I appreciate you, uh, Jasiri, for hopping on. It's very good. I know you've been meaning to set this up for a while now. Uh, Jasiri, I'll be sure to tag you in when I post it up on uh, IG and stuff of that nature. Um, I you have any final words for the audience. Oh... You just have to keep soaring as an ego, for sure. Keep soaring. <laughs> you went with eagle pride on this one, y'all. Yes. Uh, state your name again, sir. Uh, I'm Jasiri Mtambala. Yes, Jasiri Mtambala. Yeah, and this is Toasty signing out with another episode of the Mental Threads podcast. Take care. Good night. <laughs>